Welcome back, everybody, to A Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, your host, and I'm the uh, BTC recruiter. And also, yeah, I'm known in most circles as the job whisperer because uh, I'll whisper in your ear and I'll get you that dream job or I'll tell you how to get it yourself. So, and if you want to reach me, you can find me on Twitter at the BTC Recruiter. And once again, as always, most faithful, I'm the Lone Ranger. I guess you, that would make you, uh, gotta careful what you say, my, my faithful companion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where you got it? I was gonna say, where are you going with that? Dave Hampton, the Robo Recruiter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how you been, man? Uh, I'm better now that you almost stepped in it <laughs> I, I i afford other people the opportunity to step in it it's, yeah, it's a uh, gift i've yeah. had my own life uh -huh. so dave hampton and i we own blockchain recruiters they so and everybody welcome to bit about crypto and bit about crypto is a personal interest story where we bring on really really interesting guests and the one thing the common denominator that i have is, is that blockchain crypto or bitcoin found them and it was a monumentous. And this is a good way for people to actually learn about all facets of the blockchain space. And, uh, and of course, uh, most importantly, if you want a job in uh, the blockchain space, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you think your skill sets are. If you have a passion for it, then there's 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 a space there's there's a place for you because this is the new changing way, and so you can actually find us at blockchainrecruiters.net or you can actually email me, David J, at blockchainrecruiters.net or you can actually uh, my faithful companion here, just Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net. And we're a recruiting firm that aggregates people worldwide, full stack developers, front end developers. Wax, Solidity, you name it. Of course, social media managers, product managers, uh, marketing managers, business development people, compliance managers, portfolio managers. We have them all. So if you've got a, a blockchain project and you actually uh, need some people, reach out to us. Again, uh, just getting this housekeeping out of the way. At the BTC recruiter. Dot, uh, yeah, <laughs> at the BTC recruiter. Anyhow, I guess it's Sunday at 2 o'clock Pacific time if you're uh, listening to this. 5 o'clock on the East. Get ready for that late game. Yeah, right? happy late, hour. Late games are getting to start. Hey, so uh, listen, it, it's funny because the, the topic is um, what I was inspired to talk about this week was is how lives have been changed by Bitcoin, specifically. Because, you know, Bitcoin is the beginning, right? I, I think it's the alpha and the omega. Now, there are some other, other coins, but for me, Bitcoin is a holding. It's a holding, but the other ones are trades, right? If you mm -hmm. want to, the only reason I could actually say this is why you should actually have coins, when people say, well, what about these other coins? I said, well, if you have a, in an exit, good luck with that, right? So the thing about it is, is that Bitcoin has changed so many lives. I mean, literally, it changed our life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, we shut down our construction recruiting firm. And what did we do? We started in blockchain. Yeah, we, we, we Re repurposed it. Re reinvented. Right. But what ended up happening is, um, you know, Jim Ide. Oh, I broke his name. Sorry, Jim. Anyhow, he actually that's, talked. That's to not actually his name. That's right. That's not actually his name. Yeah. He literally said to me, hey, you got to go to the show. Because he got me into to Bitcoin in 2013. He's the one that orange-pilled me, right? And I knew immediately. And once I could get $2,100, I went out and bought 10 of them, mm -hmm. right? And then I wanted to buy 10 more. And the price went from $210 to $380. I go, oh, what a ripoff. I'm not buying that. Mm -hmm. And then that was December of th uh, 2013. It went all the way up to $1,000. I said, oh, man, it's over for me. It's over for me, right? But anyhow, of course, it wasn't yeah, over for that me. That was right after you and I spoke in uh, uh, 
from Afghanistan. Yeah, you called me from Afghanistan, and yeah. I, I subsequently gave, gave you a job a few months later. And that's what we met. We've been pretty much together ever since. But anyhow, he said to me in, uh, it was May of 2020, he says, hey, there's this thing in Dallas called BitBlock Boom. Right? I go, well, what is it? And he goes, no, there's some real, real Mac daddies there, right? And so I went there, and Robert Breedlove was there, and he was talking about how wealth is being robbed, and uh, Parker, uh, it's like, yeah, Parker Lewis. And, here, and here's where, where my life kind of changed. When Parker Lewis says, if you're learning about your economy's uh, fiat, you know, your money is failing yeah. on TV, it's too late. And I remember I came back from BitBlock Boom, and I was, like, obsessed I said, yes, I said, to say yeah, the least. Yeah, to say the least, right? And I was on Bitcoin. And I started getting you into Bitcoin. You watched, right? You didn't get it at first, but you started You started watching. You said, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it was prior to that, but yeah. Well, I was talking about Bitcoin all the time. As you know, yeah, I... You wouldn't stop talking about it. Yeah, well, I have a t-shirt that says, warning, may randomly start talking about Bitcoin. Right? I know. I, Aren't you... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to... Have you worn that before? I've worn that, yeah, for, for another guest. But so anyhow, uh, I, was, I was just amazed and I was in awe. And then what ended up happening is we decided, we repurposed our entire recruiting firm, right, at the beginning of 2021, right, should be only blockchain. I mean, we were making some placements in it before, but only, it's like we're giving everything else up other yeah. than the SL42, right, which is another entity that we do for, for, uh, for our heart and social capital. But then what ended up happening is you came to BitBlockBoom, and it had, like, increased, like, threefold. Yeah, and and some of the the speakers that were there last year have blown up so much as far as their brand and their notoriety and and who they influence that they, I don't want to say they didn't have time for this show, but I guess they didn't have time for the show because, you know, Bitcoin is exponentiating at so many levels, but the fact of the matter is is that show actually changed my life. It, it, it changed my life because it had my paradigm of thinking on this is the future and I'm ahead of it and I'm not going to be on the fence about this anymore. And so I actually went to the founder uh, who we're going to talk to. His name is Gary Leland, right? And the thing about it is, is, you know, when you look at me at 57 years old, I'm one of the older guys in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? But Gary, he's older than me, right? And, you know, he really is very prophetic. I'm going to call him that. He's prophetic in what he actually saw as a vision because I'm pretty sure that the BitBlock Boom uh, conference only started with, like, I think, 15, 30 people, about 30 people, if, uh, and that would have been 2018, I'm guessing, but Gary's going to clean it up for us. So anyhow, I'm probably like bashing him, so I'm going to let him speak <laughs> for himself. So with no further ado, please welcome to A Bit About Crypto, Mr. Gary Leland, the founder of BitBlock Boom, annually in August in Dallas, Texas, or this year in Austin. Last, last weekend. In August every year. And yeah. This weekend, you know, this year we're moving to our in 2023. We're moving to Austin, Texas. You know, I think yeah. that's the that's one of the hubs of the U.S. for Bitcoin. Yeah. Wait, so, wait. Um, so that was the place to do it. So 2022 is still in Dallas. No, Austin. No, no. I'm it's sorry. In 2022 okay. is in Austin. Yeah. Okay. Cause any I, way to move this uh, this conference to a, a a time when it's not so freaking hot? <laughs> in well, Texas? you know that's that's what really makes like, it is because uh, it's in August and uh, and it's it is the last week in August, dude. It's not dude. It's hot in <laughs> it's hot in Dallas or Texas. It, me being yeah, from, me, I'm from true. Texas, so I grew up in this humid, God's forsaken, awful weather. During the summer. Well, you know, the thing is, though, your NAC 
then you walk outside for four minutes to get an Uber and you're in AC again. Then you walk out your Uber into a building. Yeah, but you can't even en- you can't again. even enjoy the outside weather. Like if you go, if, you, if we did oh, yeah. it in October, like mid October, like after ACL in Austin. I mean, you, you yeah, can't do it October uh, football Longhorns. Hey, you hey, know, you, you know, the hotel would go up so high. We got a good thing with Bit Block Boom, just the way it is. And Gary, I want to apologize for my just rude, a friendly request. My rude, to consider my, the my rude host. How dare you would talk to the OG of Bitcoin friendly, conferences? That friendly way. request. The audacity that you would actually I, say. I, I, am, uh, I am very I'll audacious. I'll file your, your request where I filed the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm that's sure a, you will. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure but, you will. Right there in the restroom. That's yeah. right. Get the paperwork uh, started. Yeah. <laughs> so very Gary, spicy. So Gary, you know, I think actually, if it wasn't for the fact it was in August, it may not be as big as it is now. Absolutely. During during COVID, nobody had a conference all year, and then I had a conference in August, and I think around July people started realizing this conference was going to happen, and they had not been to a conference all year. By yeah. that time, maybe they'd been to three or four, and they never would have come to Texas. But they said a conference. I haven't been to a Bitcoin conference yeah. all year. I'm going. Then they came and they said, wow, I love it. And now they don't bitch about the weather because they love the conference. Yeah, that's right. Right. They're grateful for the opportunity to go. I, I get it. Touche. Touche. So, hey, so so Gary, uh, I want to talk a little bit about you. I know you're a little shy and introverted, but just do your best. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, yeah. So, really. Uh, um, so, I've been my whole life. Right? <laughs> over it. Yeah, you're just, you know, I know you're going to Toastmasters. You're trying to get it through. But seriously, so so talk <laughs> talk about your childhood, like like from when you were born, your brothers, sisters, sports, all the way up to like through through high school. What was your life like? Well, I was born on Tuesday at six o'clock in the evening. <laughs> yeah, I grew, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina on a, well, I grew up downtown close to like in the historic district that everybody goes to. But in uh, like second grade, we moved out to an island. And so then I soon became by fifth grade, I guess I was a surfer and I was surfed in my whole life till I moved to Texas. I mean, I got a new surfboard every year, hung out at the surf shop all the time. Um, would buy my surfboard, resell it the next year to like someone in the Air Force or the Army of Tourists, and I could go buy a new one. They'd let us pay like uh, $5 a week or something for our surfboards, you know, if you were like a regular at the surf shop. So I spent a lot of my time surfing, but I also kept starting businesses too. It's kind of funny when I think on it because I had a lot more business, but I hated cutting grass. So I'd pay other kids in the neighborhood to cut these yards. And then I would go around getting the business for cutting yards, and we would kind of split the, uh, profits on doing the uh, yard I, I did the same thing in wyoming when i was there, sent there for the summer but probably not as big a scale as you but go on and then uh i used to go out to the golf course on saturdays and sundays and i'd go to the hole the farthest away during the summer and i'd bring coats uh and sell you know, <laughs> I, I, figured, I didn't realize how poor we must have been until i started thinking about that we would buy a case of cokes and they would be like five cents a piece, I guess, or something. And we'd put them in the freezer. I'd put them in the freezer at night to freeze solid so that I'd have cold Cokes most of the day. Were these bottles so, or were cans? Were we so poor we didn't have a cooler? Were, I mean, were, did we not have... Wait, were these bottles or cans? Cans. Like, oh, uh, okay, you'd cans. have like a 10%, 10% waste okay. you know, that blew yeah. up. Okay. You know, but you I was going to say, that, weren't they going to explode? Okay. They yeah. did. They did. Yeah. And, uh, but, and the first people who got there... And wanted one because you were so far away from the clubhouse. And like people got there at like nine in the morning. Theirs was frozen solid. Right. You know? But, <laughs> but at, by one o'clock, they were just cold. Okay. Then I could fit, it was by the water hole. I could fish out the golf balls that they hid into the water hole. It was only like three feet deep. So I'd wade in there and get them and sell those to other golfers coming by. Right. I did that for like three or four years as a kid. Okay. That was kind of fun. I'd, 
Did you move to Hilton Head? Is that where you moved? No, no, no. No, uh, James Island. Okay, James. I like James It's right Island. outside of Charleston. Yeah, right outside. When I was there, it was just wooded land. Now it's all condos when I go back. Interesting. And so, But it, it was just wooded land. We would, uh, we'd either be at the beach or in the woods, you know, building forts and campsites. I remember we made a three-story log cabin one time. It took us several years to accomplish this. But every year we'd add another layer or something. You know, it, we camp. We camp out four days a week, you know. Interesting. So we were on the go. We we really didn't do much in the house. What'd your parents do? Uh, my mother was a secretary, a private secretary for a one-person bond office. And I, I think, actually, I think this guy just was real rich and he wanted an office. And I think she just opened his mail and typed his letters. I don't think she really did much beside that. Uh-huh. And my dad was a welder. Okay. Um, I worked at the Naval Shipyard. In fact, my whole street worked at the Naval Shipyard. So, I mean, it'd be about 20 cars that would go to work and each one of them would have five people in it. They all went to the same destination. So um, that was their goal was for me to go to the naval shipyard, too. They made me even go out and take the test, uh, government employees test, when I was uh, a a senior in high school. And I took it, and they forced me to go out there and take it. I didn't want to take it because I didn't want to do that. So when the test, I just... I think I just signed the test and turned it in. (laughs) And uh, and then I came home. And then I remember like two or three weeks later, my dad came in and my dad was a real nice guy, but he wasn't a rocket scientist or a hard worker. I mean, he didn't like working hard either. He, he just wanted to like get by. And he goes, I I, I saw the results today and you didn't pass the test. I said, really? And he goes, I don't know how that's possible. You're the smartest kid in our family. Uh, and, wow. I, and he goes, I even passed that damn test. How did you not pass it? So tell it about your brothers and sisters and, and where you are on the food chain in, in the line of success. I was the youngest. I was the youngest by far. And when you get to be the youngest, youngest of three. Uh-huh. And so by the, if you're the youngest, I think everybody who's the youngest knows you get to do whatever you want because they've already gone through that being harsh and strong with the older ones and have given up by the time it comes to you. <laughs> you know, so I pretty much uh, I pretty much ruled the place. Yeah, that, I, um, I, I can agree that, with that. Can, yeah, if you're the youngest, I, you do whatever. And I if, have four and kids. It's like five yeah. and you're in the middle, you kind of like her the second old again, you know, because you got to help out or something. <laughs> That's what my sister, yeah. my wife said. I, I have four but, kids and my young, my youngest gets away with, uh, she can get away with anything with, with everyone. Like, yeah, she's yeah just, like my so. my brother couldn't like ever even go out and drive a car. He couldn't do anything. And he left and joined the army to get get a just to get out the house, you yeah. know, and get away from my parents. And I was like, maybe six at the time, you know? So by the time I went up, my sister gone through, I just, yeah, I actually did what, this is kind of a funny story. If we can tell a personal story. Go ahead. Um, I lived in like tobacco alley, basically everybody smoked when I was a kid anyway. And if you lived in South Carolina and tobacco land, cigarettes were everywhere. And so I was in maybe eighth grade, ninth grade. And we were, mom and I were driving home from church. It was just us two. And my mom, (sighs) my mom and dad smoked. And she said, Gary, your dad and I agreed that if you ever start smoking, we just want to give you a heads up. We'd rather you do it behind our backs, I mean, in front of us, instead of behind our backs. We don't want to be hypocrites. We smoke. So if you someday you decide to smoke, please let us know. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, I still remember this. I remember where we were at, even on the highway. I pulled out a pack of Marlboros and lit one up. In the car. <laughs> in the car. I don't think she was prepared for that. I think she was thinking like in two or three years. Then I could smoke at my house. And so everybody came over to my house to go in my room and hang out because we could all smoke cigarettes. And my parents went and going, what do I smell? And then at my high school, you could smoke at high school. And so all you had to have was a letter from your parents saying Gary has permission to smoke cigarettes. 
Wow. Smoked cigarettes at the high school. Wow. Yeah, so uh, that, was, that was pretty funny to my parents. Oh. Well, I, I mean, doubt they do that anymore. Let's just smoke no. cigarettes. No. I, I mean, this, They're all about health today. My story's not nearly as cool, right? But like in like 1977, right, my stepmother smoked. And she would, 78, she would write me a note. Because to, to, you had to be 18 to buy cigarettes in uh, the, the People's Republic of California. And um, yeah, and so basically, and so what we would start doing is we'd just write our own notes. Right to get cigarettes. It's like yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't care. Yeah, that doesn't fly anymore. So it, when you actually got out of high school, I always ask most of my guests this: you're, you're, you're at the time you're 18, you know, of of like emancipation age. What were you thinking? What were your intentions? What was your life going to be? Where were you headed? Well, when I got out of high school, I spent my last two years, uh, my senior and sophomore year, working at a clothing store. It was like a, a chain store. Maybe they had 14 stores, and it was the only store they had in the South. They were from out of Claremont, Delaware, I think. And uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I went to work for them taking over a new branch. And I was actually going to get in the clothing business. I mean, you know, start a clothing store or something. And before that, I was going to be an artist because I took like six years of art. But um, that really I didn't, that didn't appeal to me as much as I liked. I liked selling stuff. I mean, I always did when I was a kid. And uh, that gave me an opportunity to sell stuff. And I liked having nice clothes. So I really enjoyed the clothing business. And I was going to be, uh, I was going to open a clothing store. I was trying to learn a skill enough to open a clothing store. So I don't think I've ever told anyone that. That knows me now. Welcome you to know, the show. People who knew me then. Yeah. Maybe well, who knew welcome me to then. the show. That's what this show is all yeah. about. Yeah. Right. So I was going to be, I even went to a bank to find out how to go about getting a small business loan to open my, uh, first store and buy uh, products and stuff like that but uh, i didn't follow that up i moved into i moved into cable tv working for a cable tv company at the time cable tv was brand new nobody had it uh well a few places had it but most of the country didn't have it i worked for a company we would travel the country going into new markets that had cable tv and teaching the people how to go door to door selling cable tv and we'd usually be in a town about Three months, four months, get everything set up, and we'd move on. Do you remember the name? To, Do you remember the name of the yeah. cable cable company? Uh, uh, Store Cable. Okay. S T O R E R. We worked for a subcontract company called Southern Services. Do you remember what, sub- what year this was? Nineteen seventy-seven, maybe. Yeah, I'm guessing. Maybe it was a, it was after the bicentennial. I know that for sure. Seventy-seven, maybe seventy-eight. And I moved to Dallas. Well, actually, Grand Prairie, Texas. Which is was at the time was like the armpit of Dallas Fort Worth, and uh, they were the much. first city though to get cable TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know the thing about it is, is I remember like 1978, we finally got cable, right? And we got Channel 100. It was called. It was just. It was just. It was just Channel 100. It, it played the same movie over and over again. Then it played two movies, and then HBO was the thing that came on cable. You had these two channels. Yeah. I, Right. Yeah, yeah, actually, when I first started, he had uh, HBO and something called maybe the Family Channel, which was terrible. They went out of business. But HBO, you got regular cable. Maybe there were 13 or 14 channels. You got home box office. And, and some people would describe it as, you know, you'd sell it as a younger kid uh, that you were trying to sell it to. They go, is that that's got dirty movies on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> go, right. Yeah. 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 And you go, I want that. And then <laughs> old folks, old, old folks, old folks like me, I guess, they probably were my age. They go. Don't want that crap. Always had only three channels. Only need three channels. Yeah, you know? so, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, so, that's right. That's right. So yeah. it's according to where you hit. If you went through an old neighborhood, oh my gosh, you were trying to get that finished as fast as you could because you were making no money. But if you got like one time we hit an airbase, 
housing and the air base. And these guys traveled the world. So they knew they were just waiting for it. And actually, I think that week we made so much money that week back then in those dollars. One of the people with us bought a car, brand new Thunderbird car, um, Firebird, Firebird car, um, the big one with the big uh, uh, eagle on the front. Paid cash for those in a week. We would clean up. Make, it took you like one minute to make a sale. I would knock on all four doors of the complex. When they opened the doors, I'd give them a pitch at one time you know, and hand them four applications. Yeah. We yeah. were just rocking. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because like when I got out of the service, I I, I literally uh, would be the, the gals would like telemarket. This was like in a uh, like uh, eighty four, eighty five, something like that, and they'd say, "Hey, if you uh, if you get uh, HBO, you get free installation." And people would hear two words: they hear yeah. HBO and the word free. Then I'd get there to install it, and I'd have to resell it again, right? But anyhow, yeah, that's all we did. That's yeah. what we did. You got, and and actually, when I was like on those air bases, I'd go. I'm here taking orders for HBO. I didn't tell them anything else. They knew nothing. And I said, you need to get, what should I get? I said, you need the full package. Okay. They had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> now, some people with me, they would spend a half an hour, 45 minutes going, this is the, the family channel. Oh, this is ESPN. It has sports. It's half an hour to get one. Me, I'd done 20 sales by the time they did one. I mean, you know. Yeah, I yeah, They didn't need all that info. You got no time to waste time. Right. Yeah. So, I time for and I and I think based on your background, on what I limited, what I know about it, your that influence on cable, you actually saw the power of multimedia and being able to like broadcast things, and that, you kind of went in that direction. Is that accurate? Yeah. Or? I uh, well, actually, I I, I guess uh, my next move was uh, I got into cable and I started. Um, I was pretty good at, at going door to door. I mean, let's face it, I was pretty good at it. And back then in the early 80s, maybe 81, the housing market here in Dallas-Fort Worth was like on fire. I mean, the house for sale part of the paper was bigger than my whole newspaper back home. Wow. Um, so we – and mini blinds had just come out, those small one-inch mini blinds. Yeah. So I, we invested – my wife and I invested maybe $65 into samples and a drill to install them. And we started driving down streets of new neighborhoods, houses for sale leaving flyers and knocking on the doors on weekends for extra money. And gosh, we were making thousand, two thousand, four thousand dollars a weekend. And this is back in eighty one dollars. Well that's we were huge. like that's we huge. thought it was never going to end. We were flying to Europe for the money we made off of mini blind sales, <laughs> yeah. rent limos to go party at night. We thought it'd never end. And so um that did kind of end though. Uh because Home Depot started carrying it. it was popular. Everybody started carrying it, but we converted it into wallpaper. And then we ended up with the largest wallpaper store. I'm really shortening this. I know it sounds long. It ended up with the that's great. largest that's wallpaper great. store in Texas. And then in 96, that's where it really changed. Uh, we got on the internet. We started, I started a website in 96. Uh, one of the first websites, probably the first website for wallpaper. All my manufacturers, I would contact them and say, hey, do you have pictures I could use for this? And they said, that's stupid as hell. No one's going to buy wallpaper on the internet. We're not even going to send you any. So we would, uh, we had a, uh, digital cameras weren't even out. So we would scan pictures out of the wallpaper book and make a website. We made the website. And uh, like I said, that became the first website for um, e-commerce. So that's where I really started getting on developing internet and e-marketing and stuff like that was that store, mm -hmm. which we just sold. I mean, we started it in 80 or 96. We started the e-store, started the store in like 83. And we just sold it like this July. I'm out of all my businesses. I'm into Bitcoin 100% now. I've gotten rid of all my companies. Well, six, and all I do is Bitcoin. And, 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 uh, you're, and you promote your, your uh, BitBlock Boom. 
Well, right. that's Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, everything I do is Bitcoin related. Oh, yeah, like in Swan and all that those kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's Bitcoin related. Yeah. Bitcoin is such an open market right now. You literally can do any business and say, I want to be a Bitcoin company and say, what business am I doing? How do I turn this into a Bitcoin-based business? Well, let's let's and stop. Let's stop for a second. How did since you brought it up, how did Bitcoin find you? Well, I, I think that was a pretty typical story. It was a three-tap story for you, for me. I think most people I meet got told about it third, three times, and the third time they were told about it. But the first two times I was told it was like internet stocks, which I hadn't done well at that in the past. But the third time <laughs> I ran it, <laughs> third time I ran into a friend at a conference talking to some other people about it, and I came up halfway through, and I said, "Hey, Tony, can you start over? I didn't hear all that." And we went and sat on the couch. This was like uh, speaking. I probably spoke at twelve, so I'm at one. And at six o'clock, when the conference ended for the day, we were still sitting on the couch talking. What what year was then, this, Gary? Night, what year was this? Uh, Two thousand seventeen. Okay. So that night, I went home and bought Bitcoin. You know, um, I listened to a podcast on the way home about Bitcoin because I was pretty big into podcasting. So I listened to podcasts all the time. And that night, I bought Bitcoin, and my wife was off the hook about it, going, "That's just made up money, Gary. That's just made up money." Yeah. If you know every time I kept buying and buying, and I kept hearing that. So do you yeah, remember? So do you remember when in 2017? Uh, this- yeah, it wasn't on the run up. It was before the run up. Yeah. So what, um, what month yeah, do you yeah, think it was? At the end of the year, it was like August. It was like four thousand. Um, four thousand. No, no, mate. No, it was like thirty five hundred. Okay. I think it was you're splitting hairs yeah. with me now. The fact that yeah, I could yeah, go, yeah. I could go back that far. You tell me. Well, you remembered. You remembered the pricing. That's pretty good because I think that year. It went up to twenty thousand nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it started. It was as low maybe earlier in the year as a few thousand, but it had gone up, I think, to seven, and then dipped back down when I bought. It. I just lucked up that it had dipped. I had no. It went like I studied it. I was going to buy it, so I probably got twice as much, yeah. you know, as I would have if I had bought it a month earlier. Right. Well, it's I, I, Gary. I swear to God, your enthusiasm and your zeal and just who you are. I thought you were like a, you got the, the Bitcoin like in 2012. I I, I did. I mean, and this is the first time we talked about this well, because I think I was first heard about it in 2012. Yeah, you know, I, I think was, it was like a hundred dollars when I was first told about it. The guy who told me it was online stocks. I think it was a hundred dollars when he told me. So this is amazing. So 2017, and you started the Bitblock boom like literally like the next year, the first yeah, one. Like four, Four months, five months later, I started planning it. You know? Yeah, yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just, yeah, I had, I had another conference uh, called Podcast Movement. I started that I had sold at this time, and it had maybe thirty five hundred people at it the last time I owned it. Now it's owned by some other people, but I was kind of like new about doing conferences. And uh, when I want to learn something, I kind of just jump in it and get really involved in it as hard as I can. I think that's the best way to learn. I'm not really good at. Um, finding time to sit around and read and absorb information. So I just rather get involved in it and learn from meeting people. That's why I started the podcast originally. I started a podcast after a month, you know, to meet people. Yeah. I want to, I want to pair something for our listeners, right? Cause I, I know that on this show, we talk about people, we talk about jobs in the Bitcoin space, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, Gary actually created a Bitcoin maximalist show. This is this is only Bitcoin. You you can't come and talk about anything other than Bitcoin. You can't come and exhibit anything that anything alternative to that. And it's just and he did this before the the Bitcoin LA actually was moved to, to Bitcoin Miami. Okay, I just want to give right, right. give props. See, this was the first Bitcoin conference ever. 
ever, right? Yeah, it's definitely the longest running for sure. I, uh, I, you know, and it just turned out that way. You know, it just, it just happened. I just wanted to meet some people. It's funny though. You said earlier about how big my first conference was. You're pretty much right. I think maybe we had 35, 40 people, but you know, I invited Pierre Richard, Michael Goldstein, Safety and the Moose. I had all these people that said, yeah, we'll come. And I didn't have anyone buying tickets because it was so new. I was out every night, me and my buddy going to meetups, giving away damn tickets just because we needed to have people there. And uh, we, but the one thing was we did have one sponsor that wanted to be the platinum sponsor. We had no other sponsors. He could have been the silver and got as much exposure, but he wanted to be the platinum. And he asked if he could pay in Bitcoin. And we said, yeah. And I think Bitcoin at the time was $7,000. It had dipped after the run up. It was $7,000. And uh, he paid us one and a half Bitcoin um, to be the 10th, to pay the $10,000 sponsorship. So, and of course I never sell my Bitcoin. So that was a pretty cool deal. That that was a great uh, that was a great conference. As yeah, out, I made a ton of money off of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And my partner didn't want to do the conference the next year. He goes, uh, "We were lucky to do that conference. We didn't make any money. What's the chance we'll ever get a sponsor again? You know, I, uh, I'm, he, I'm just going to give you the conference. I don't want to be in anymore." I said, "I think we did great. I mean, yeah, we, if we." Broke even, I thought we did great. I yeah. don't think you can do a conference first year and think you're going to like clean up. Yeah, you break even. I think you've done great. Hold on, sir. I'm going to control this narrative. Okay, so that was 2018. You had about 35. 2019, you had how many? About 2019. About oh, 70. Maybe 70. Yeah, no, no, maybe a hundred. Maybe a uh, hundred. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, 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 then, and then 2020, you had like like three. Well, we had COVID in 2020. Well, you still had so three hundred. Really, you had three hundred people there. No, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 250. Okay, 250. I'm 225, 250. 250. And, and then, last year we were at 300 and something, but we had, it's crazy. Last year we had 70 people that bought tickets and tickets aren't cheap to Bitbot Boom. Never showed up. Yeah, well, hold on. Hold on. Well, just so you know, that's this year to our audience. Right, that's right. Bitblock Boom, uh, like literally last yeah, month of August, like last three months season. ago. Yeah, 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 last, see, good, yeah. last season. And, and, and now you're practically already sold out, aren't you? Well, last year we sold out, and be honest, we sold out in February last year for August. Right. You know, but we wanted a smaller conference. But now we've moved to Austin. We have a much bigger center. We've sold, my gosh, everything's selling like crazy. I mean, sponsorships are selling like no tomorrow. I just can't believe in uh, everything's selling like crazy. We'll be sold out again probably in February, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. it's a much bigger spot. We'll yeah. probably be 700 this year. So, you know, but we'll, we'll sell out by February, I would think. Yeah, I want to speak to the audience for a second. So, yeah, and, and, and Gary, just, you know, do you mind me saying how old you are? No, I'm, I'm, I'm 66. 80, 80 what? No. <laughs> so, so Gary, I'm 67 in March. Yeah. I'll even go like a kid. I'm 66 and a half. The century mark. So, so Gary, Gary is a sectogenarian, all right? He's in his seventh decade of life. And he actually had the wherewithal, right? Because so Gary's Gary's handle is the Bitcoin boomer, right? He's the boomer generation. Yeah. I'm the very last year of the baby boomers, 1964. And we, if you look at us as a species in the Bitcoin space, we're like 5%, right? Because Bitcoin, this new blockchain technology, this dawning of the age of Aquarius is literally... Um, it, it's 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 the new generations, the millennial, it's Generation X. All the all these speakers, all these prophetic people that are are, are embarking and proselytizing and evangelizing Bitcoin. They're so much younger than us. But Gary had this vision that there was something here. And what I found, especially on Bitcoin, is there. And, and it happened for me. 
It's like there's just no denying it. The the ridicule. I mean, when I when I asked, I would be with my buddies on the golf course, and I told them that I had Bitcoin, and they told me I was idiots. Yeah, you know, it's like okay. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, you know, no, I've heard that you, know, you know, and for what the price of Bitcoin is right now, I really am glad to be that idiot. But however, yeah. I, I want to come back, and he had the wherewithal, and there's this congregation of this learning tribe that's come together, then exponentiated, and and since he started. Bitblock boom. There have been so many companies like Swan Bitcoin that have come out where you can actually get Bitcoin. You don't have to buy it from an exchange. You can actually get it and it goes directly to your wallet and it's the cheapest place to buy it. But the important thing for me is you need to remember, you know, I'm a recruiter, right? And the reason, and, and I, I really don't have to stay a recruiter anymore, right? I, I've got, Bitcoin has given me a new kind of freedom and I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Right, but I do it because there's nothing more powerful to me than help, helping somebody get daily bread, right? And I, I can't just recruit in the Bitcoin space, even though my ideology is, is the strongest. It's like the Mac Daddy of the coins. I, I some of some of the influencers and the confluencers that made my decisions were the people that I met because of your show. So you, because you actually had the courage to put up your money and take a loss, right? Back in eighteen, you changed my life, my life profoundly. But there are other people who I've actually spoken to. Who have said, "Hey, I met these people at Bitblock Boom, and because of Gary Leland, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but th this is important work. And if if you don't mind, you know, because oh, you, you, can you talk about it? Because I, I I don't want. Yeah, to I don't mind at all. I, it's, it really excites me more than anything. You know, let's face it. I'm 66. I've had a very successful life before Bitcoin. So when I got into Bitcoin, I was able to get into it. I mean, I wasn't like." you know, waiting to hope to get one, you know, in other words. So I've had a very successful hoping, hoping to get one Bitcoin, you're saying. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of people, that's the goal for yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. It has been for a while. A whole coin. I mean, let's face it, only twenty one million people can have one. So let's face it. That's not, a not, goal not, e not, not even, even that. Not even, not even oh, that. That's right, because they're not getting any of mine. So <laughs> <They're not laughs> cut it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know Michael Saylor cut it down pretty damn big. <laughs> yeah. And, and Satoshi he locked up a million and then oh, up and up and up and died. Right. So, uh, but, so that's something that really, um, I, I get excited about, like, uh, I guess, well, at BitBlock, boom, someone came up to my wife who I had helped, uh, two years earlier come who was in college at the time. And I helped, he went to a and I helped him and his buddy come. Uh, I gave him a pass, you know, to come, they were students. And he said, as soon as he got out of school, because of someone he met at BitBlock, boom, uh, he was able to get his dream job getting out of college. He told my wife this, my wife came and told me about it. I said, oh yeah, I know who that is. And then this weekend, I was in Austin with a bunch of Bitcoiners, for some reason, all went to the F1 races in Austin. And we spent all weekend, we had a bus, and we went to the F1 races. It was a blast. But I stopped at Riot Bitcoin. Uh, they're mining down here now, and they had a stock uh, owner's day to, to view it. So I stopped on the way down. And like their chief financial person came up to me and introduced herself, said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, I just want to let you know you changed my life. I went to BitBlock Boom last year, and now I have my dream job because of coming to BitBlock Boom. And the people I met were able to connect me. And then we have my best friend's my best friend in the world, his daughter. I talked her into showing art last year at BitBlock Boom. Uh, Marissa Angelia or Marissa Jean. Yeah, she's going to be our she's, she's going to be our guest next week. So anyhow, she's so, a great yeah. a great gal. Talk about uh, this. Talk in, de talk in detail about this because I actually witnessed this firsthand. Talk about this. Well, she's just a great 
not only a great person, but has great skill, a great artist. She's amazing. And, you know, she, she works for, she went to school to learn how to do digital art for like gaming companies. And that's what she's been doing. But before that, she was a classical artist. She really painted on canvas. But for the last few years, she's been doing maybe the NBA games or something. I don't know what yeah. she's creating, but she's one of the few women that are into that. And I saw her, at, uh, went over to watch football with Mark or something. He has a great man cave. And I started saying, you need to start doing art for Bitcoin. No one's doing really great original painted oil paintings or whatever for art. As a, as a Bitcoin hodler, as a Bitcoin yeah. theorist, right? Not just somebody who's, who's copying it for tourists. So that makes sense. No, 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 no. Hers is all original artwork. It's great art. And it takes her a while to do it. I mean, it's great. She showed me finally. I talked her into it. She said she's going to start painting some stuff. I went over to Mark's, have a few drinks. She said, let me show you. I've done it. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are great. I said, these are way better than I even imagined. And so she took maybe eight pieces to uh, Bitblock Boom. And of course, and I bought the first piece. You well, know, congratulations. Oh, you bought the one with the uh, ticker symbol. That's the, correct. Uh, candles. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, called, it's yeah. called it's called anticipation with the, like the nude gal sitting underneath there. Right. Every right. everybody loves that except for my wife. Yeah. My wife says, "Hey, who, good piece. yeah." I said, "Who are you gonna?" She says, "Who are you gonna gift that to?" And I said, I, "Well, I, <laughs> didn't, I didn't. I didn't say anything. I, 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 what yeah, I wanted to." I, I think this year she's gonna paint. She had mostly big pieces. Yeah. And I think this year she's gonna like add more smaller pieces too. So she's already working now for next year's Bitblock. Well, she's a, a great artist. This it, is going to change her life. If Bit, if Bitcoin goes to 30,000, then she should go with the smaller pieces. But if Bitcoin's like 200,000, she should go like, you know. I think she's going to have both. 10 she? by 10. Yeah. <laughs> That's 45,000 right there. Yeah, She ought to have a sign up. I'll come paint your wall in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was trying to explain to her. I said, you got to get out. You got to move from here. You got to get out the hallway with the parties because there's going to be people with alcohol in them and lots yeah. of Bitcoin. So, but anyhow, that's... Well, I was scared earlier. I had to try to decide where to put her. And I was scared earlier, if I put her there, there'd be so many people in the hallway, no one would actually be able to see it from a distance. You know, you'd be like standing right up on it. So I moved into a place where she could spread it out. But yeah, as the party ended, I mean, started, and everybody left, she, yeah, she moved down there, and that was a great spot. Yeah, right, right. But so, I, but here's another thing that I, I, I think is really important. So, I, when I was at uh, Bitblock Boom during COVID in uh, last week of August 2020, right? There were like five out of out of like 200 people, or however many there was, 250. Uh, there were ten, five, ten females. I mean, I'm not talking about Kelly yeah. and your wife and the people that that came. Right. right. I'm talking about like attendees. This year, this year, the female concentration was like 30%. 30% of the entire population yeah. was female. And that, that really, I'm encouraged about that. Can, can you speak on that? Yeah, well, before I do that, though, I got a fun, another funny story for you. Let's, My let's friend, of mine came, friend of mine came who I orange-pilled. He wanted to come to the conference. And he, he was talking to someone. He said, wow, there aren't any women here. This was in 2020. Right. So there really aren't any women here. And the guy goes, what do you mean? There's at least seven here. That's a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was for them. Yeah. Because I think the year before we had two. So. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I want to give I want to give a shout out to Erica Gemma, right? Because she, she I met I met her there, and and she she told Michael Saylor at because they're both from Miami. She told Michael Saylor uh, in April of 2020 about Bitcoin, uh, or maybe I got the and he said, yeah, it's never going to work. Kind of like yeah. like like internet stocks. 
So anyhow, she was there. Whole story on this. Yeah. yeah, she was there. She was there. Yeah, that's where I met her at. I met her actually. I didn't meet her until the Sunday brunch. Right. And she came up and introduced herself. Um, but yeah, uh, and I like Erica a lot. She's she's really well. What nice she's person. doing for how she how she's pro, um, evangelizing and she's empowering women, right? Her story is amazing. She was she actually was a guest on the show when very very now. But anyhow, you were saying uh, about. Um, I was just saying it's just growing like crazy. I would imagine we're going to have more women, a higher percentage there next year. It's funny this weekend we had uh, the event I was at was a ton of women at compared to normal, you know? So I think women are now uh, understanding that this is a financial uh, situation. And I think a lot of the finances are controlled by women. Uh, I know on our house, our daily house for years, our stuff, my wife has controlled all the money same and handled everything. Same with my I wife. Give her the, I just give her my paycheck. She gets her paycheck and, she takes care of everything. She doesn't ask me jack. Now I do all the, just, uh, the stuff with Bitbot boom and buying Bitcoin when I want to buy it. But, well, um, uh, here's how I say, I'm the chief revenue officer. She's the chief financial officer, right? She, I, she is at my house. Yeah. She's way better yeah. than I am. Same with my wife. Same hundred percent. So it, it, it's really, really funny because, uh, I want, I, so here, here's the part of the show. Well, let's just stop. Hey, Travis, uh, let's get a word from our sponsor. Who's our of sponsor course. this week? Well, none other than blockchainrecruiters.net. What are the odds? That happens to be me and David. We actually happen to own blockchain recruiters. And so I just want, I want to re- reemphasize, right? Uh, we aggregate every type of people in the blockchain space, from the technical side to the marketing to the creative to the social media, community managers, portfolio managers, anything you need in the blockchain crypto space, we actually aggregate worldwide. Okay, so if you need a job, Come find us. If you need people in the blockchain space, we aggregate them when we have them. And that's about enough out of that. Anything more you want to say about that? Uh, We find... We attract, we, we enroll, enroll, and, and we, we compel. compel. That's right. Everybody knows how to find somebody. You can't enroll and compel them. Right. To That's what you will be paying we for. We get them to sign on the line. That's right. That is dotted. Yeah. All and right. It's all for, and and you, get, you get the right people, and uh, we make sure that you guys aren't wasting time on the wrong people. That's right. And remember, if you're coming to us, you're coming for value, not price. Anyhow, back to our uh, – now we got that, that out of the way. Let's go back to Gary. So, Gary, just – and, and, and I really don't want you to hypothesize on the price because we know it's going to go up. But what just do you see in the future of Bitcoin? What kind, as far as how it's going to change the job market? Well, I think it's going to change the whole world. I mean, yeah, I don't clearly. Think, I mean, of course, if it's changing the whole world, it's going to change the job market. I've really done a lot of thinking about how it's going to change the job market. I know people will be getting paid in Bitcoin. People are already asking to be paid in Bitcoin. So, um, and now with services like uh, BTC Pay Server, making you able to have your uh, income sent straight to them and they send it straight back to you as Bitcoin is getting easier and easier. So um, I don't know how it's going to change work. I think that would be a stretch for me to say since I've never thought about that. But so- uh, it's it's basically, though, I mean, let's face it. It's going to change everything as we know it today is going to change. And it's going to be for the good long time. Long term, some people are going to get hurt. Because some people are going to get hurt in this economy the way it's destroying, and they've got typical assets. They've got their money in cash, which, as you know, they're saying it's 5% inflation now. But nobody believes that it's 5%. You know, they say 2% when it's 5%. Right. So there, a lot of people are keeping their money in cash and getting killed. Of course, the stock market's doing good because of inflation, it's doing good also. For now. Uh, and the money being pumped. In. Yeah, for, for now. now. For now. Um, and a lot of people have their money in traditional stocks. I'm pretty much 100%. In Bitcoin, except my house, yeah, my house and my cars and my art. 
everything else, if it's an invest, if it's an investment, it's in Bitcoin. So, you know, for he, me, here's what I want to say to you. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm asked, to, you know, based on the fact that I've got this podcast, right? I've got people calling me. What do you? One person asked me. He actually said to me, he says, "What's the most important thing I need to know about?" you know, holding Bitcoin, right? And, and it's, and believe it or not, it's not your keys, not your coins. I mean, of course that's, but I said the most important form of evangelism I have is decentralization, right? And people think that what they actually have when they've got a Coinbase or a Gemini or a Kraken account, and they say, yeah, I've got Bitcoin. And I say, yeah, actually you don't. Right, because the government could actually seize your Bitcoin off an exchange. Well, I think that is not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Right, right. But I, when you say it to them, not your keys, not your coins, they don't quite understand until oh, you yeah. explain it that way. That's all I was saying. Yeah, of course. No, no and I agree. I agree 100%. And I've had, uh, I was telling Kathy last night, we talked to uh, one of uh, our relatives, younger relatives, and now I'm known as the Bitcoin guy. Whenever I go to any family event, people come up to me and go, hey, I just want you to know I, I bought some Bitcoin like uh, last year. I go, great. I go, where'd you buy that? Because I'm always just curious because I'll buy it at Coinbase. Well, that's not great. I said, where do you have it now? He goes, Coinbase. I said, dude, you need to move it. I said, that's not a bank. <laughs> it's yes. really not. There's no FDIC. A lot of people think it's a bank and they can leave their money there and they can't. I, I, I got a better story than that. I was actually driving to uh, Las Vegas, not, not this trip, but when we come out here to podcast. And I called the BMW service, like the concierge. Like I just recently got this new BMW car. Thank you, Bitcoin. And, and, uh, and I'm talking to her and she says, well, what are you doing in Vegas? I said, well, I'm doing a podcast. What's your podcast about? I said, well, it's about cryptocurrency and, and Bitcoin. And she says, oh, my whole family, we, we, we have Bitcoin. And I said, well, yeah, where do you have it? They said, PayPal. Right? And then I, I, I had to explain it to her. I said, yeah, you really don't have any Bitcoin. I mean, unlike Coinbase or Gemini, you can actually take it off and put it in your private wallet. Yeah, you actually have a connection to real Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, but, but people don't know. They just yeah. don't know because we're in this mindset of like the GLD ETF thing. Yeah, I've got some gold. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, if you, if you, can't, you can't bite into it with your teeth. You don't have gold. That's all I'm going to say. It's more GLD than there is gold in existence. That's probably. correct. That's great. So last thing is, um, what do you think of the recent times where we are right now with this this Bitcoin futures ETF? Do you actually have an well, opinion, opinion one way? I've, I've, I've had a concern. I was talking to Nick Bocci about this uh, about three weeks ago, and we didn't even know the ETF was going to happen. I've always had a concern that with uh, ETFs, it would be like gold ETFs and you'd have more Bitcoin in ETFs than there is Bitcoin in existence. And it would artificially deflate the price because they were manipulating it through the ETF. And then when I heard the futures, um, you know, that's expensive. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're a big corporation, you can't actually buy Bitcoin on your books. Maybe you want to do it, but that's so expensive to get in and out, in and out. Um, I just, I think it's good for Bitcoin and the fact that people now that people maybe will go, well, gosh, if the SEC says you can do Bitcoin futures, Bitcoin's okay to buy. You know, it's not going to be made illegal anytime soon. That's what I'm thinking. And so that's good for Bitcoin. And I think Gensler said there wouldn't be a, uh, a Bitcoin-backed ETF until there was a Bitcoin futures ETF. So maybe we're one step closer yeah. to a Bitcoin-backed ETF because now we have the futures ETF. My, my I don't know what is the reasoning behind that uh, statement, but that was said. I think so, so. I'm, I'm going to say my personal opinion. This is editorial. I don't think Bitcoin needs an ETF to rise. It's going to rise. Now, maybe yeah. it's going to rise gonna faster. Rise. But now, once there's an actual 
Bitcoin ETF, if they're going to really have real Bitcoin, if it's like, look, look what happened with uh, GameStop and the, the naked shorts with that. I could see because, you know, basically the rule on Wall Street is we'll commit any crime and we'll get away with it. We'll just pay a fine. And I could and the fine will be way less than we made. That, that's right. Yeah. And so what worries me is now that Wall Street can manipulate the price of Bitcoin. Because what we have right now, for the most part, for the most part, is natural, authentic, organic price discovery on it. So yeah, the and, and I think we're way ahead of where I would have thought we would be right now. Price-wise? Right Price-wise? Uh, price yeah, well, just where it's at in the economy. I would have thought corporations would just be getting into them. Now they've been into it. They're all into it. Countries are getting into it. I would have never thought countries were getting into it by now. El Salvador's into it. They're talking Brazil's going to yeah. get into it. I would have never thought any country would be into it by now. So yeah. I think we're way ahead of where we should be, where we where people thought we would be. Everybody thought it was going to do what it's doing. But I think uh, COVID put it on steroids. Sure did. And all of a sudden, sped everything up. This is all going to happen. <laughs> it's inevitable. But it is all of a sudden, man, it's on steroids. And gold's not moving. Silver's not moving. Why? People were putting their money in Bitcoin. That's you right. Imagine Bitcoin wasn't around. Gold and silver. 10,000. 10,000. Yeah. Gold would be 10,000 yeah. with all this nonsense. That'd be the only asset, safe asset they could think to move it in. Yeah. But right. now they're going, who wants to move it into gold and silver <laughs> for when I can move it into Bitcoin? And I can. And if I have to leave the country, all I got to do is remember 12 words, memorize 12 words, and I can go anywhere in the yeah, world I want. Tattoo it, to your body. tattoo it to your body and, you know, and random out. Yeah, try, right. try hauling try hauling 100 pounds of gold <laughs> or 100 pounds of silver out of the country. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Gary Leland, tell everybody about uh, your project and where they can find you. Well, I'm going to tell you about two projects real quick. I got BitBlockBoom at BitBlockBoom.com. I think it's, I'm trying to make it the best conference in the world, but I have a new project I want to make sure you know about called BitBlockBoom. Party at bitblockparty.com. You know, Consensus is moving to Austin. That's a huge conference, huge Ethereum conference. They haven't been able to have it in two years in New York because it's shut down. Right. So they finally got smart and said, we need to go somewhere that's not shut down. They're coming down to Austin, Texas. So we've rented a two-story nightclub down on Fifth Street <laughs> Friday night at Consensus. And we're throwing a, up you, Ethereum. Here's all the maximalists, you know, and we're throwing a party, 350 people. We've sold maybe 100 tickets so far. We're getting sponsors. But it's going to be a it's going to be a blast. When so, when, when is when is uh, the the date? I think it's the first weekend in June. Okay. You know, so people should go to bitblockparty.com and they can check that. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to be great. We got and what we're doing is we're setting up a stage, and so we'll have a party. I seem to be good at throwing parties. Yes, you are. Have, yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> we're going to have a great party when we have a stage set up and we have a D, uh, DJ. But every thirty minutes, he stops. And we'll have American Hoddle comes on for 10 minutes on stage. Yeah, he's great. This this bashing, bashing uh, crap coins. And then I want to try to get Max there. I haven't talked to Max, but I want to get I want to get people there can do some good bashing and get the crowd going and stuff. Like instead of a comedian coming out, it's a Bitcoiner. Coming yeah, out no. If you could get Max, no one, no one wants to see a, a comedian at, at that. They want to see Max Kaiser. They want to yeah. see Ralph Paul. American Hoddle. Yeah. Hoddle he, yeah, no, he's funny. He's great. He's great, but anyhow. Yeah, so that's that's the plan. But I don't ha I don't want to fool anyone. I don't have Max set up yet, but I'm I'm trying to get him next. Dude, my next person. Dude, you. you're gonna have pull it off, and it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. And you you and I both know it. So yeah, uh, I think it is gonna be amazing. I do. Garrett, I think you know what I've got. I've sold enough tickets now. I'll have a great time. And if I'm down a little bit, I don't care. I'm gonna have a great time. I got I got a party now. I got enough people for a party. Hey, uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough for uh, giving us the time today and just being so, so raw with us. Thank you, Gary Leland. Oh, everybody. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I've enjoyed the conversation. Travis, my Likewise. engineer.
Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And of course, my uh, co-host, partner in crime at the recruiting firm, Dave Hampton, Robo Recruiter. Thank you very much. And remember, everybody, get whispered.